Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. I'm going to build off of the last episode of Fighting for the Faith. The last episode of Fighting for the Faith, we were looking at Bethel and their false ideas regarding unity. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take what Scripture says and we're going to apply it. We're going to apply it in a way that Bethel won't, because the way Bethel believes in unity, as long as you have the Holy Spirit... You know, well, then God can give you all kinds of different emphases. Is that the plural of emphases? <laughs> Ephesus? Anyway, you get the idea. God can give you your, your particular congregation different emphases. And uh, and whereas the Lutherans, they have different emphases and the Calvinists, different emphases. I feel like uh, Jeff Dunham, Jeff Fafa. Anyway, uh, so here's the issue. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. So we're going to go back to one of our texts. In fact, let's do this. We're going to start in the Bible today, and then we'll we'll look for, well, I've already found. We're going to find a an example of exactly what the Apostle John warned us about. So uh, let's whirl up the desktop, and let's pull up the uh, the Bible. Here we go. We are in the epistle of 2 John. 2 John has one chapter. In fact, let me let me kind of demonstrate this to you. So the Apostle John, the, the one whom Jesus loved, the guy who raced Peter to the tomb on the day of Christ's resurrection and beat him, but then didn't go in, that guy. Um, so here's, here's a letter, an epistle that he wrote to a woman who has a congregation meeting in her home. He says, to the elder, to the elect lady, and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know, listen to this, truth, truth, tr truth. Truth is of supreme value when it comes to Jesus' apostles. So in the opening sentences of this letter, you know, you know, we write like, dear so-and-so, you know. Uh, well, the ancient world, their letters start off a little bit differently, a little more flowery, if you would. And so then he goes on kind of with a standard Christian apostolic greeting, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and in love. So here we have three verses, and we got truth, truth, um, truth, one, two, three, four times truth shows up in three, three verses. Do you think truth is kind of important? Y yes. Okay, and here's the thing. All of the Bible warns us against false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, uh, wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing, and uh, one of the things we can do to spot them is going to be found in this text. Again, we're building off of our last episode. He says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. Here we go again. It's mentioned five times now in four sentences, five times, who are walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And love is defined by God in his terms, not by our terms, right? And this is love that we walk according to his 
commandments. Where are we going to find those? Um, you know, I know in the Bible, right? So this is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, many. And, and the one of the ones that he'll hold up as an example of a deceiver uh, are the Gnostics. Okay, Gnostics, these are ones who basically deny that Jesus has come in the flesh because that, that, that's, that doesn't go with their worldview. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is a deceiver and is the Antichrist. All right, so Gnosticism, uh, I would argue for both uh, 1 John and 2 John seem to really strongly suggest that the Gnostic worldview is going to be pivotal when it comes to the ascension of the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. Many deceivers have gone out into the world, but Gnostics aren't the only kind of deceivers. So there are many stripes. So here's what he says, watch yourselves, and nobody says there, watch yourselves. Pay close attention. Don't just listen to anybody. You gotta test. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but you may win a full reward. Everyone, not some, everyone, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Think about it for a second doesn't stay within what the Bible says, what God has revealed in the written word of God. The person who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. There, you, you, you pay attention here. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son, and if anyone Anyone, God is a respecter of no persons, right? He, he doesn't, he, not, uh-uh. All right. Anyone, even if I come to you and I don't bring this teaching, what the scriptures teach, don't receive him into your house. And what's referred to here is since churches met in homes, they didn't have buildings like we have today. They didn't have property. Christianity wasn't even legal at the time this was written. Uh, don't receive him into your house and say, don't receive him into the church or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So building off of this then, biblical unity cannot be uh, achieved when somebody goes beyond what is written in scripture, doesn't bring to us biblical doctrine and teaching and has gone beyond it. They don't even have God, scripture says. And it's in this case then that we consider the words of of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, uh, that passage known as the Great Commission. Uh, The Great Commission, Christ says important words, And he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. This is Christ after his resurrection from the dead. All authority, not some, all. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. Go therefore, so here's his standing orders for us until he returns. Go therefore, make disciples. These are learners. Christians are disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. This is the basis, then, of what we call sola scriptura. Yeah. In Christ's church, since all authority has been given to him, he gets to call the shots. Not me, not you, not nobody else. All right? And he's made it clear. 
we are to make disciples, teaching them people to observe all that Christ has commanded. And I uh, know of only one place that we can go to find what Christ has commanded. And you know, let me use a prop here. I still have one of these old analog Bibles here. So the, the Bible. That, that, this, that's the only place. So we're to teach the full counsel of the word of God, wash, rinse, repeat, do it again, and then do it again, and then do it. We are to abide in the teaching of Christ, period. And then building off of this concept then, so within Christ's church, your opinions out of bounds, all right? Uh, you know, f- dreams and visions and things like this out of bounds. Uh, let me let me give you an example here. Uh, Jude, the half brother of Jesus, <clears throat> here's what he writes: Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. For certain people, they've crept in unnoticed. Who long ago were designated for this condemnation? Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, he afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he's kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, they serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. Let's pay attention to that part. False teachers do not abide within the teaching of Christ. They go beyond it. They teach things that Christ hasn't commanded. And what is part of their authority structure when it comes to what they believe they should be teaching or discipling Christians in? Well, they rely on their dreams. They defile the flesh. They reject authority, the authority of God, the Holy Spirit, and the authority of Christ, who says, teaching all that I have commanded. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth has made it clear in his church, it's only his words, only his commands that are to be taught. And you're going to find those in the Old and the New Testament by virtue of the fact that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament who sent the prophets, who wrote the scriptures of the Old Testament. And he's the one who sent his apostles who wrote the New Testament, right? But false teachers, they go, they go beyond what is written. They go beyond the scriptures. They rely on their dreams. They reject authority. They blaspheme the glorious ones. Keep that in mind. And as for the sufficiency of scripture, I would remind us of what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says in this regard. Uh, You, however, Paul writes to young Pastor Timothy, you, however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and my sufferings that happened to me at Iconium, Antioch, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord has rescued me. So indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil people and imposters 
will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Note here, Paul is warning us about evil people and imposters. John tells us the imposter is the one who goes on beyond scripture. They don't even have God. They don't abide in the teachings of Christ. But what does he say? But as for you, young Pastor Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with what? The sacred writings. You mean the Bible? Come on. We need, we, don't we need more? No, we don't. Christ says, teaching all that I have commanded. You're only going to find that in the scriptures. They, it, have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then words that many of you have heard many times. All scripture is theonoustos. It's breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for all, every good work. There is no good work that God's going to call you to that the scriptures will not equip you for. You have everything you need in the sacred writings, in the scriptures. That's where you find all that Christ has commanded and taught and nowhere else. Full stop. So if it ain't in the Bible... It isn't biblical. Those who go beyond what is written, those who go beyond the doctrines of Christ and the scriptures, they don't even have God. And as Jude says, they rely on their dreams and visions. So you got the idea, right? So with that, then, let's head over to the It's Supernatural Network. And the name of this video, which was just published on the 29th of September of 2021, so just a couple of days ago, the name of it is What Jesus Told Me About Authority Will Astound You. Huh? You're having conversations with Jesus? And you're going to note, he fits exactly the biblical pattern of an imposter, of a deceiver, somebody who relies on their dreams, somebody who doesn't abide in the teachings of Christ, who is discipling people with stuff that ain't from Jesus. All right, and this is Kevin Zadai is his name. And um, so we're going to note then that uh, you need to mark and avoid this guy. You know, anybody who's under his sway, you need to walk him through the biblical text and say, this guy is exactly the, the, the exact kind of person that God, the Holy Spirit, warned us about in the New Testament through the writings of the apostles, right, and the teachings of Christ. So listen to what he says, and I've sped it up just a little bit, and I went ahead and put the captions on so that uh, we, it make it a little easier to follow. We're, we're not doing this for copyright reasons. We're doing this because I want to see if we can get a little bit of a big lump of what he teaches in this episode. Hello everyone, Dr. Kevin Zeta with you. Welcome to The Secret Place, where we're caught up in the counsel of God. And we're continuing our, our study here in this session, uh, talking to you about the fact that submission to authority brings great power. So we're going to be talking about that today. Now, okay, now, are you going to go to a biblical text that teaches that submission to authority brings great power? Because Christ has made it clear. Let me come back to this here, talking about authority, shall we? Um, let me go back. Matthew 28, right? Jesus in the Great Commission says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Okay, these are standing orders from the guy who has all authority. 
Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. The one who has authority has made it clear in his church, only what he is taught is to be taught. Right? I'm not familiar with this doctrine talking to you about the fact that submission to authority brings great power. What text says that? About the fact that submission to authority brings great power. So we're going to be talking about that today. I'm excited about this one because did you know that Jesus Christ, when I met him in this heavenly visitation years ago, that he was the commander of all the hosts of heaven. So mm-hmm. we know this. Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Um, to him, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And uh, scripture is clear that, yeah, he has authority all of the over the angel host of heaven. But you just said that when you met him. Hmm. Yeah, see, we've, we've got a problem here. We got a big problem here. And that is, is that uh, this sounds a lot like what Jude warned us about. Uh, Jude um, basically made it clear in like manner, these people relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh. You, you've gone beyond already, already beyond what is written. And you're relying on, on your vision that you claim that you when you met Jesus mm-hmm. the angel armies there's so many of them that you can't count them I mean I'm sure that God could count them but you cannot count them did you know that that Jesus Christ is the head of all those angels and, yeah scripture says and that. did you know that Jesus when you're in his presence he makes you feel like you're his favorite no biblical text says that not even one um yeah, so coming back then to Second uh, John, Second John, uh, I would note that uh, this is a prime example. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. He, he's not abiding in the teaching of Christ. Now, now we're getting extra biblical doctrines, right? The doctrine that when you're in the presence of Jesus, he makes you feel like you're his favorite, no biblical text says that. So the 45 minutes that I was with him, I really thought that I was his favorite because of the way he talked about me and talked to me. So as he's speaking to me and he's telling me all the plans he had. Would you be surprised if I told you that, that Kevin Zedai, he, um, he gave a false prophecy about Trump winning the 2020 election? Yeah. Has for me, and he was telling me how he had written book about me before I was even born, and that he just went on and on about the angels who were assigned to me. He then started to talk to me, as though as though I had never sinned in my whole life. Then he started to talk to me about the promotion that was coming if I would continue to walk with him in the. So note here, um, the basis of this video is this man's claim that he spent 45 minutes with Jesus. Fear of the Lord. So I had this, I had this uh, idea about the fear of the Lord. But when I met him, he explained the whole thing to me, and that was it had to do with submission to authority. It had to do with uh, honoring those that are above you and and submitting to that authority because that's how you got promoted and that's how you were empowered. Mm. Yeah, this is code talk for submit to me, the guy who had um, a forty-five minute encounter with Jesus. Uh, submit to me and my authority. I'm above you because I had a meeting with Jesus. Uh, send me your money and do exactly what I say and don't question me and and then th- then you'll be blessed by God. That's how this plays out. So he started to talk to me about how when you fear God, it was the healthy fear of the Lord was that you respected the authority that was above you and that the Lord was the one who made all the heavens and that Jesus who was standing before me, he loved me as a... 
By the way, Scripture does teach us to honor our father and mother, right? So there are there is a biblical teaching in the Ten Commandments as it relates to proper authorities who are put over us by God. This is for sure, but notice he's not preaching from a biblical text. This is all based upon his 45-minute uh, face-to-face conversation with Jesus, you know, where Jesus said, oh, I've written a book about you, and, and Jesus makes you feel like you're his favorite and all that kind of stuff. Friend, he remembered the day that he thought of me and formed me in my mother's womb. Yet at the same time he, that he loved me, he also will discipline me and keep me in line with what he has for me. So he. Well, you haven't stayed in line with what the scripture says and the limits of what you're supposed to teach in Christ's church. You've gone beyond what is written. You've gone beyond what is the doctrines of Christ. And well, Jude says uh, people like you rely on their dreams, which is exactly what you're doing. And you're exegeting your experience as if somehow there are doctrines that I need to know as a Christian based on this experience that you claim that you had. He knows he loves that God loves you, but he also disciplines those he loves. Right. Hebrews 12 makes that clear, and I didn't need you to have an experience with Jesus to tell me that. You've got to consider the fact that God loves you, but part of that is discipline. Did you know that love in its greatest expression is also discipline? That God disciplines those he loves. So there's a process of learning from a loving father, and this is what I saw in Jesus. Even though Jesus is not the father, he is the son of God, but the father was working through him while he was on the earth, and the father and him were one. When I was in heaven, it was amazing. I didn't were they are have a problem with the Trinity. So I, it's amazing. When I was in heaven, I didn't have a problem with the Trinity, he says. I've never been to heaven. I don't have a problem with the Trinity. The Bible explicitly teaches it. You know, down here, you know, people have problems with, uh, you know, the three in one, the Trinity, you know, and they, 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 they totally forget about the fact that Jesus went down to the River Jordan and was baptized by John the Baptist. Okay, so he's in the water and he tells John. So, no, for backing up the doctrine of the Trinity, he gave us two things. One, uh, Matthew 3, which is a great text to, you know, support the doctrine of the Trinity. When Christ goes into the water, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and remains on him. The voice of the Father is heard from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But the second part was the sneaky bit where he said, well, when I was in heaven, when I met with Jesus, I didn't have a problem with the Trinity. Uh huh. Listen, you got to do this. This is to fulfill all righteousness. And John wanted to be baptized by Jesus, but he said, "No, you got to do this." So uh, Jesus gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, excuse me, in the water, but the Holy Spirit comes down on him right there in front of everybody, and then the Father speaks from heaven. Yeah. So you have the Father speaking from heaven. You have the Holy Spirit uh, descending on him as. Right. It's a great text that supports the doctrine of the Trinity, but you're adding to this text your claim that you spent 45 minutes with Jesus. The dove. And then you have, of course, Jesus in the body, uh, in the river. So you have all three right there in front of everyone. And, and we still have problems with the Trinity. So when I was in heaven, Jesus is speaking to me and he's talking to me about authority and about... So Jesus was speaking. So he's got extra biblical information, more that didn't actually make the cut in the Bible. But he, thankfully, he spent 45 minutes with Jesus and brought us back some, some new doctrines that we can add. About submission to authority, about the fear of the Lord. And as he's talking to me about this, I realized that the only way that I can experience deliverance and power, resurrection power, healing, uh, even to prosper in all, everything that I do, it had to do with submission to authority. It didn't have uh, anything to do with me doing my own thing. And I was so surprised at how Jesus loved me.
This sounds like a doctrine of works. But yet at the same time, he was my authority. I mean, think about this. You have somebody that's really kind to you, and you don't know what they do for a living. And so they're just talking. They're so nice. And you think, wow, uh, you know, you know, we ought to keep in touch. You know, you, you know, we could be friends. And then you find out that he is a general in the army or a general in the whole military of the country that you're from. And, and you didn't even know that because you thought because he was so kind and so loving that he couldn't be a general or a commander. And that's the way it was with Jesus. You know, you, after a while, you realize that this, this, uh, this person, Jesus, who loves you, is also full of authority. Right. He said so. All authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given. To and him. I realized something. He, he, he makes you feel like you're his favorite because that's how he activates you. He. What? <laughs> do, do, I, apparently, I need an activation. If you would like to be activated, uh, then Jesus will be the one to activate you. Call 1-866-J-E-S-U-S and uh, he will activate you. There is no biblical doctrine of activation. What are you talking about? Oh, by the way, he's talking about his 45-minute face-to-face conversation with Jesus. He is that kind of person. He activates you when you're in his presence. But it's because he enables you because of his authority. Now, I don't know if you get that, but see, in the council of the Most High God in the secret place, these are the kind of things that you're going to have to meditate on. So, Well, how are we supposed to meditate on it, you know, if, if God is in the secret place? I mean... You know, it, it, this is ridiculous. After you watch this show, I want you to go and meditate on this because... You want me to meditate on your alleged vision of Jesus. Uh, it sounds to me like you had some bad anchovies on a pizza and you, you ended up having a fever dream. And as a result of that, you thought you were dealing with Jesus. But in reality, it was just a bad anchovy. If you want to walk in power, you've got to be under authority. You've got to know what the fear of the Lord is. You've got to understand... Again, there is a biblical teaching as it relates to authority, and you're disobeying it. Okay, let's come back to <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, who has all authority, all authority in heaven earth, on earth has been given to me. Red letters. This is These are the words of Jesus. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You're disobeying the one who has all authority by teaching things that Christ has not commanded. John makes it clear that we are to walk in the truth, it repeats the word over and over and over again in 2 John, and makes it clear anyone who doesn't abide in the teaching of Christ doesn't have Christ, doesn't have the Father either. And Jude makes it clear that the false teachers, the ones who are reserved for the devil's condemnation, they rely on their dreams like you're doing. You're disobeying the one who has all authority by making this video and teaching your encounter as if somehow it has something to reveal to the body of Christ doctrines that we need to be hearing. The doctrines we need to be hearing are found only in the word. Kevin Zadai, you are exactly the imposter and deceiver that the scripture warns us about. And what the fear of the Lord is, and that is, is that he commands angel armies and they don't even argue with him. They don't question him. You should see when he tells an angel to do something, they, 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 they just turn and go and go and do it. 
They don't question. They don't ask any kind of questions. They don't roll their eyes. They don't say, well, you know, I'm off in, I'm off in 10 minutes, maybe on the next shift. You don't know. These angels are hearken under the voice of the Lord. They do his. Yeah, scripture makes it clear that that's what the angels who haven't rebelled against God do. And I don't need you to tell me that you've had an encounter with Jesus in heaven to, you know, to fill in any of the missing data. This is very clearly taught in scripture. Bidding, not yours. They do the Lord's bidding. And I saw that there's no element of pride. There's no element of, of, a, of a, a will in the angel. The angel just wants to do God's bidding. They hearken unto his voice. They love to do God's word. And they, they're excited to do it. So they're flames of fire. They're excited. And they go and they do it. And they never question the authority of their commander. And so I, I, I watched as Jesus was talking to me. And I was above the angels. So we as Christians, all of us, we're above the angels because of what Jesus did. See, in creation, God created man in his own image. You see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It talks about how he made man in his own need to do some fact-checking. All right, let's take a look at a Christological text in the book of Hebrews. Um, we might need to do a couple of chapters, but let's take a look here. Long ago, and in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he, all, he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son of Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool? Are they not ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. There it is again, another warning about drifting away from the truth. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributing according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking, it has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a, li a little while for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet.
Hmm. You'll note that until the resurrection, really, we are still lower than the angels, right? Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to be to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children that God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God and to make propitiation for the sins of the people, because he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. All right, so um, hmm, we got a problem here. This 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 fellow, um, his theology, his angelology is off. Yet he 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 claims that he had forty five minutes face to face vision with Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, is it any wonder that this is uh, exactly what Jude warned us about and uh, that John warned us about as well? Let's take a We're above the angels because of what Jesus did. See, in creation, God created. Mm, we're below the angels uh, under the curse at the moment. Uh, yeah, in the resurrection, things are different. He created man in his own image. If you see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it talks about how he made man in his own image. So we're made in the image of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, an image is a replication. It's like, uh, you know, if you take a photo, you know, if you take a photo, that's an image of the original. So it's not the original, but it's, it's, a, it's a replication, it's a, it's a photo, and it looks just like it. And, and if you take a picture of yourself, it looks just like you, because it's an actual image. So when God created man, he made man so that we can talk to each other and fellowship with each other. And so that's what the secret place is. So This is so bad. What happens when God starts to catch you up in his counsel, starts talking to you, and he says, listen, I want to talk to you about authority and submission to authority. I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. Well, then you're going to have to. Yeah, God talks to me about authority and submission in the written word. I don't need you and your so-called 45 minutes with Jesus to tell me anything about that. You move from the position where you're in charge and you're going to have to submit. So when I saw that Jesus was also the commander of the Lord's army and that no one questioned his authority and yeah, scripture already makes that clear. We didn't need you going to heaven to tell us that. And I thought to myself, then why do I ever question his authority when he speaks to me? Because you have a sinful nature, just like me. And so, oh, you know, it just changed me because I realized I had pride in me and I had resistance in me and I knew that that had to be burnt out. And so I'm, I'm telling you this because God wants to do something greater in you. There's greater things that he wants to do in you and through you. There it is. Yeah, see, we're not preaching about Jesus. No, no, God wants to do greater in you. And so here, now, now he's just buttering people up and playing to their inherent pride and arrogance. And here's the thing. 
Almost 30,000 people have watched that video in the couple of days that it's been out on the It's Supernatural Network. And yet, if you know your Bible, you know that this man is a false teacher. If you know your Bible, then you know that he's gone beyond Scripture and he doesn't even have God. If you know your Bible, then you know that Jude warns us about guys like this who rely on their dreams. And we have the Bible. We don't need Kevin Zadai's 45 Minutes with Jesus and all of his extra biblical doctrines because Scripture's clear. If you don't abide and you go beyond the teaching, you don't even have God. So do we need Kevin Zadai and the It's Supernatural Network? No, we don't need them unless, of course, you want to go to hell. Um, th then, sure, you need them because th that's where they're going to lead you. But they're not going to lead you to the truth. And Scripture says you're not to listen to these people. Not ha not welcome in your church. Don't listen to them as if they're teaching you the truth. Flee. Mark and avoid. That's the idea. So taking what the Bible says and putting it into action— it's Supernatural Network, Kevin Zadai, on the mark and avoid list. Don't listen to them. Uh, you can pray for them if you like, but uh, you know, but don't don't come to them and expect them to teach you what the scriptures say. So hopefully all that was helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the description. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.